Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. You guys that are in the back, never, don't forget, there's always nice seats right here in the front row. You can always make your way up. All right, so before we get started, real quick, I uh, want to give you something that we'd love for you to participate in today. So if you saw walking in, there is a table with a tree out there with little tags on it. Um, and so uh, this week we put together, uh, the team put together this angel tree, uh, and the angel tree is made up of families in our community that are in need, uh, and we'd love to be able to help them in this time or in this season. So after the service, if you go out there, Rand will be at the tree helping explain anything if you have any questions, but we'd love for you to grab a tag off the angel tree. It has something that you can get to be able to help uh, these families in need and then be able to bring it back uh, by next week. So please uh, be a part of that. We'd love for you uh, to participate that and bring it back so we can help uh, bless people through this time. All right, so again, we're in this series, Good News That Brings Great Joy. And if you're new or new online with us, just a reminder why do we do a Christmas series? Why don't we just wait till Christmas Eve Eve um, and, and just do a Christmas Eve Eve service? Why do we sing all these Christmas songs leading up to it? So here's the idea behind it. It started with a long time ago, my personal love-hate relationship with Christmas, right? So um, I love Jesus and some of the things of Christmas and then the other things of Christmas that are complete distractions, right? The things that make it so that, and, and you guys might not be in this, but a lot of people get so busy during the Christmas time. You gotta get presents, you gotta get get-togethers, you gotta make sure you have room on your porch for the Amazon guy that's there twice a day. You know, like, you, you got all this stuff going on, and sometimes we forget, like, why are we doing it? What do we wanna be able to do? Because this is what we know as a church, right? And this is what we know as Christian people. There are a couple times a year, and again, I don't know why this is, but we're going to go ahead and go with what it is. A couple times a year where people are open to the gospel more than they ever are at any other time of the year, right? One is during the Christmas season, and one is during the Easter season. So as a church, we don't want to get so focused on doing the things that we normally do and forget that there are people, because here's the funny thing. A lot of people, we think, during the Christmas season are super happy, Right? And during the Christmas season, a lot of people are without hope. Right? A lot of people approach this time of year not with a lot of family to get together, not with a lot of people to talk to, not with a lot of, you know, uh, and, and it's kind of like that all year for them, but it kind of emphasizes it over Christmas because everybody else is doing it. You know what I mean? Everybody else is getting together. Everybody else is doing gifts. Everybody else is doing things. But there are people who are lonely or there are people who need us, and so we just want to make sure we make space, right? I'm not against, you know, all the rest of it as long as we're making space for what matters most. So we started last week with this idea, right? So we talked about the gift, right? The greatest gift uh, that you've ever been given. So for some of you guys, uh, like me, you reminisce over the Christmas time on that gift that you got, you know, the one that you'll remember forever. Um, and I heard throughout the week other people sharing like, yeah, you know, when you talked about, you know, getting that three-wheeler, that changed everything. And I remember when I got this, and I remember when I got, like, that things that changed things, right? So we talked about those gifts. So the true gift, the one that we're celebrating, the gift of Christ, you know, being born, the thing that changes everything in the lives of people, right? So we talked about this idea. One, for this to work, we have to first understand that we have to receive this gift. So I said to anybody watching online, listening online, anybody that's at the church, if you have never received the gift of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't wait. If one of the things that you need to be reminded of, you are not guaranteed tomorrow, you know, or if you're somebody out there that knows somebody that doesn't know Jesus, don't hope that after the holiday season you can reach him. We're together on that? Like, you don't hope that it's going to happen because you never know that you're going to get another chance. So we said, take the opportunity to receive Christ. Take the opportunity to be able to, to give that gift because two things happen. When you receive the gift of Jesus Christ in your life, there are two emotions, emotions that as people we know that uh, we struggle with this, but there's something different about the way a Christian struggles with it than anybody else. One is peace when we live in a world that's not very peaceful, 
Anybody in that world, right? Like when there's struggles, there's stress, there's a lot of stuff. Well, as a Christian, the Bible says, if you receive this gift, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You're different, right? You're different because of your relationship and because of the gift. And not only are you different because of the gift, right? The gift of Jesus Christ, that you have that. It's not only that you have peace. You know the other thing that you have? Joy. Right Now, why is that important? Because most of the world operates on circumstantial happiness, right? Like, you're having a good day when, like, you can like, talk in church, I don't know if you're in here, like, <laughs> when you're having a good day, you're pretty happy, right? Like, how's it going? You know, and you, and you usually refer, like, things are good because, right? Like, things are good because this happened, and this happened, and this happened. Or if somebody asks you, how is it going? You tend to be like, it has been, anybody say it's been like one of those days? Anybody ever had one of those days? You know, and then somebody asks, you're not really sure if you want to get into what actually happened during the day because of everything that led up to it. So your mood, your happiness, how you approach your family, how you approach your kids. Anybody like this, right? Anybody had wives that ever had a husband that had a bad day at work? And he comes home, just like, so joyful when he walks in the house. <laughs> right? Like, this is what happens, right? Not only do we experience it, but people around us experience circumstances tend to shape how we are, even ourselves or around other people, right? So we have to figure out joy. So the gift of Jesus Christ gives you joy regardless of the circumstances of your life. And this is so important, listen to me, because if you're young, right now I'm just gonna give you a heads up, if you're young, you might not have experienced this, but when you're younger, you, you know, when somebody says like, you need to be able to have joy in times when things aren't bad, when things you know, are bad in your life, you're like, I mean, it's not that big a deal. I mean, what could go wrong? And I'm like, just wait. <laughs> is that not true? People that have lived a while? Just wait a little bit. There are a few challenges in life, right? There are a few things that um, happen, to, happen to us in life that, that challenge whether or not we're gonna be able to move forward because this is what joy is. Joy isn't that you have to be happy about the circumstance. We understand this, right? Joy isn't that, that you have to be like, God, I'm so thankful for that test. Will you give me another one? That's not joy. Joy is this, no circumstance in your life will keep you from fulfilling the plan that God has for your life. That's joy, right? Because the enemy, you know what the enemy wants? The enemy knows what happens in the circumstances of life, and the enemy wants you to sit on the sidelines and wonder why God is punishing you. He wants you to sit on the sidelines, and he wants you to wonder why is God doing these things to you where God's just saying, you know, if you're gonna live here long enough, it's a part of life, just keep going. I got you. You know, the, the, the end is coming, things are good, just be able to keep moving forward. So last week we talked about the gift. This week, here's what we wanna talk about. This idea of the gift, right, that we have, but the idea of how do we get that gift out, right? So here's what I want you to think about. So you know we celebrate uh, the birth of, birth of Jesus, we talk about the birth of Jesus, but, and I, this is, I think you know this, right? There is no Jesus without Joseph and Mary, right? Like there is no, like if you think about, like we celebrate Jesus and, and we understand that the prophecy was that there was gonna be a Messiah to be born. So we understand God's gonna get done what he wants to get done, but you understand that the only way prophecy gets fulfilled is if somebody says yes, right? Like it wasn't, so the idea that, that when the Old Testament talked about a Messiah coming, right, the only way a Messiah could come is if somebody would say yes to being used by God, right? Like that idea. So here's the, here's the thing that I want you to see. The gift is awesome, but the gift is life-changing when you give it out, Right? Like the gift for us is like, it changes something inside of us, right? And it makes things better. But what changes the world is when you say yes 
to God to take that gift and be able to give it to somebody else. That's the idea, right? That's the concept of what he wants us to be able to do. And what I want you to hear today, or the things that I want you to see today, is how a simple yes in your life, a simple yes during this Christmas season could transform the lives of people all over the world. Do you believe that? Some of you are yes, and some are like, mm-mm. Ain't nobody using me, right? You never thought that? Like, how could I? How could the single decision that I make today make any difference all over the world? So I want you to think about this. Some people in here, Billy Graham? Anybody know Billy Graham, right? Like, Billy Graham, I'll give you the end. This is what everybody knows. You saw him on TV, you read his books, you heard something about 2.2 billion people heard the gospel because of Billy Graham. Pretty big number, right? But Billy Graham didn't just come out of the womb a preacher. Billy Graham just didn't come out of the womb deciding that he was going to travel all over the world and preach the gospel. You know what happened? Billy Graham's parents were dairy farmers, okay? And Billy Graham's parents decided this. They're going to say yes to their responsibility, right? This is where it all starts, right? So if you look at Billy Graham, it all started with a yes. What was the first yes? As a parent, it's my responsibility to give my kids every opportunity to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So you know what? They got up every day and they milked cows, they took care of animals, they taught their kids hard work, and they prayed together, they talked together, they read the Bible together, they did things together because here's what Billy Graham's parents knew. Regardless if Billy Graham grows up for the rest of his life being a dairy farmer, the thing that's going to change him forever is not how good of a work ethic he has. Dad, you know how like we really want our kids, every dad does not want a bum as a kid. Is this not true? Like maybe it's just me, but I'm like, my greatest fear is I'm gonna raise a lazy one, right? Like I, I mean, I don't want that. I, I want my kids to be able to know. But, but the bigger fear should be that I'm gonna raise a child that I kept so busy learning to do things of the world that he never had a chance to know the gospel. So busy doing things that he could perfect his craft at and people of the world would be like, you are so good, but never had an opportunity to know Jesus, right? So Billy Graham's parents woke up every day right? Not thinking that their son was going to someday change the world. They woke up every day knowing their responsibility. Work hard, give my kids a chance, right? So they did that, you know? And then as you go on and you listen to the story, you know, the, the crazy thing was at the time, you know, when, when they were dairy farmers at the time, things weren't good, right? It might be all of dairy farming, you know, but like things at times don't always work, right, the way that they're supposed to. It's a lot of hard work, doesn't always ever turn out to be profitable in the way that they think it should, but it was the extenuating circumstances of the time were not good, right? So at the time, the people in North Carolina were praying for opportunities, right, like to give hope because there wasn't very much hope. And, and what was going on. And so there's this businessman in town that decided that he wanted to have a gathering, right? So this businessman decides, I want to have a gathering. And in this gathering, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for two things. I want to pray for hope in people who have none. I want to pray that just one person in this revival meeting, just one, would answer the call and spread the gospel all over the world, Right? So this businessman says yes to the idea of trying to get a revival going in a time when things aren't good, right? Because there's a lot of ways we think things can get better, but who, who at this time when things are bad thinks the revival is a good idea? Like, couldn't there have been a, could the businessman not have done something else? Do you see what I'm saying? But the businessman could have done a lot of other things to raise up the hope of other people. He could have gave away money. He could have, you know, used his business to be able to make more money, whatever those things are, but he didn't. He chose that the answer was going to be, we need to have a revival. But guess what they needed? Land. Guess who they talked to? Billy Graham's parents. Now think about this for a second. 
Any of you guys that are animal farmers know what happens when tons of people walk all over your property, right? Like if you have hay out there and you want to be able to harvest the hay, who wants a bunch of people trampling it down? True? Like who wants a bunch of people all over? Who needs something else to do? Because you guys, you know what happens when there's a party at your house, right? You get the honey-do list because everything that you've put off for a really long time all of a sudden has to be better because somebody's coming over, right? The things that you've just let go forever. So can you imagine what it was like? Like Billy Graham's dad's like, yeah, we're just going to bring everybody over. And so not only is he going to have to give up space on his land, he's going to have to sacrifice his time to be able to do it. But what did he decide to do? He said, yes. Then think about this, small town, North Carolina. Who wants to come and do a revival with not very many people that don't have very much hope? Now think about this. If you're a traveling evangelist, right, who wants to travel to the place where there aren't very many people? Who wants to travel to the place that is in terrible desperation where I'm guessing this, I'm going to read into this, but I'm guessing there wasn't going to be a big love offering you know how that works, right? That's still a thing, isn't it? Like somebody comes and then they like pass a plate and the guy gets whatever they get, which I think that's such a weird idea. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But they, the, the, this guy, Mordecai Ham, right? The preacher, the traveling evangelist, he makes a decision. I'm going to come there and I'm going to preach the gospel. Do you have any idea what happened? Billy Graham at 16 years old made a decision to give his life to Jesus Christ. And now 2.2 billion people have heard the gospel because it started with a dairy farmer that woke up every day and took responsibility for his kids. Do you see it? If you can wake up every single day and just say yes to the opportunities that God already has for you, then you are creating opportunities for God to do things that he can only do through those people who are willing to say yes. Now, I think we live in a world today where that's becoming difficult, right, for us to say yes. I think it's becoming difficult to think that my single yes can make a difference in a world that's nutty, you know, in a, in a family that's, you know, not the way that we think it should be. So what I want to do today through the story, so turn to Luke 1, 26 to 38. I want to teach you through Mary and Joseph, how a single decision, right? How Mary and Joseph's yes set up the idea for us to be able to experience the gift of, uh, of Jesus Christ, right? And how can we, this is the, the important thing, how can we, right, as you're turning there, so this is gonna be Luke 1, 26 to 38, how can we learn from them how we can wake up every single day and say yes? Are we good? All right, so let's do the history. Luke 1, why did Luke write this scripture, right? Why did he write the book? So Luke wrote Luke and Acts, right? And here was why. So this is important. So Luke was writing an account for a guy named Theopolis, right? And the idea was Theopolis had heard of these ideas or heard about Christianity, right? And he wanted to know, is it true, right? Is everything that people are saying true? So this is what Luke did. Luke went around, and this is important as you read it, Luke and Acts. He went around and he interviewed people. That's what he did. So how he wrote the book was, I'm going to sit down with Mary and Joseph years after this happened, and I'm going to say, you know what? I need to hear the story because somebody told me an angel showed up and somebody told me that, you know, uh, you were a virgin and somebody said that, like, this is what happened. I want to know, is this what happened, right? Is this the way that it really went? So Luke would sit down and Luke would write down what those answers were from Joseph and Mary, what the answers were from the people that were there in the day, and then he would record it and he would put it in the book for us to be able to read, right? Now, Here's the thing to remember as we're reading this story. There was always in the Old Testament, so you're going to be reading about Jews, right? So in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy that there would be coming a Messiah, right? That was the prophecy. All Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah, right? All Jewish people were like, 
When is it gonna come? What's it going to look like? How, how's it gonna be able to affect our lives? And so when this happens, so when we read the story in Luke, you gotta understand, everybody was waiting for it. And when Luke writes it, it was like, so when it came, what happened? All right, what was different in your life? And, and how can we see those things? So let's just read it. So Luke 1, starting in verse 26. It said, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, to Ga- uh, angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went, uh, the angel went to her and said, greetings you who, ha- who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You ever wonder why he picked Mary? You ever think about that? Like out of all the people that he could have picked, you know, because I'm assuming, you know, there had to be some of the, from the prophecy standpoint, so lineage had to have something to do with it, right? They had to be from the lineage of David. There had to be, you know, things that fit in place. But I'm guessing Mary wasn't the only choice. Would you agree? But there were other people that God had, that God could choose. So why show up and talk to Mary? What was it about Mary that, that I don't say intrigued, but for God, when he had all of these people to pick, why would he go to her? Well, here's the, the thing that I want to, uh, us to think about. Have you ever heard of Joe? I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Jehoiakim and Annie. Do you know who Jehoiakim and Annie are? Mary's parents. You ever hear about Mary's parents? You never hear in the story about Mary's parents, but I want you to think about this. If you were a Jewish mom and dad at the time and you were like Billy Graham's parents, what would you know your responsibility is? What would your greatest responsibility be for your daughter? Make sure he picks, not pick a crazy man, (laughs) right? Make sure that, you know, gets good grades. Make sure she was good in sports. Would have been your greatest gift to your child at the time. Yeah, get her ready for the coming Messiah. Get her prepared to know Jesus Christ. Get her prepared in her walk to know that, because think about this. How many of you guys would be like, oh, an angel showed up to talk to me, cool. Do you ever think about that? Like the angel shows up and it's just like, oh, an angel showed up to Mary and she sat there and listened. You know what I would have done? What would you have done? Like somebody shows up in your room, you're like, what am I on? What am I seeing? What did I eat? Is this not true? Come on. Are any of you expecting the angels to show up? Anybody expecting God to come to you in the middle of the night and say, I got a plan that's gonna transform your entire life? You know what I think? I think Mary was. I think she was waiting. I think she grew up in a home that says God could show up at any point in your life and he's gonna change you forever. And so she got up every single day with the anticipation that I'm gonna get visited by the Lord. Right? Part of Mary being ready, and parents, this is what I want you to see. You know, we're never in charge of the outcome of our kids, Amen. Right? Like, we're not in charge of what they turn out. We're not in charge of how they turn out. But I want you to think about this for a second. Have you prepared your children for God to, to show up every day in their life and to change them? Are they anticipating? Are they waiting for God to completely interrupt their life, transform them from the core, blow up everything that's been normal, and send them in a completely different direction? Parents, we got our kids ready for that. You see, sometimes I think we miss the point. If we're going to be able to see this gift be able to be used, like if you're going to see that, if you're going to see this gift be able to be given to other people, we've got to prepare people to be ready, and we've got to prepare our kids to be ready to be able to hear from God and be able to do what God tells them to do. And I just don't know if we're there yet. I think we're preparing our kids for a lot of things. True? It's not like we're working really hard. We're trying to keep them civil, trying to keep them out of jail. You know, we're trying to keep them, you know, don't flunk out of school. Like we're doing a lot of things and we're doing the best we can to get them prepared. 
I just don't know if we're having the conversation to be like, hey, I hope you're waking up every single day hoping that God will come and speak to you. And you know the reason that I think that that's not happening? How many times you ask your kids, what God have to say to you today? Yes, no, maybe, right? Like how many times are we getting home and you're sitting around the supper table and you'd be like, hey, did God visit you today? First, your kids might think you're weird, right? But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, hey, what are you hearing from God? What's he saying to you? What is, what is he asking you to do? Right, and I think that the reason that we don't, that we as parents don't always talk about that is because we don't expect it either. Right? How many of us are waking up with the anticipation that God's gonna completely rock your world this afternoon? He's gonna visit you, he's gonna talk to you, he's gonna interrupt your life completely, and he's gonna ask you to do something that will transform the world, right? He's gonna ask you to say yes to something that's gonna change things in your life, right? And that you're just ready. I'm like, I can't wait for the interruption. See, I don't know that we're always there, but to be able to be there, like if you go back to the story of what gives the ability for somebody who's a dairy farmer who knows that this is probably the last thing that he needs to do. What gives him the ability to say yes when it doesn't make sense? Right? What gives somebody the ability to say yes when it doesn't make sense? Well, that's what you're gonna see as we can continue on in the story because here's what he says next. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. Why was she so troubled? So the idea of why does he pick Mary, you know, and we think because she was ready and prepared to say yes, and we think that God knew like he does with us. He knows our heart, right? He knows where we are. We know how open we are to those things. Why was she so troubled, right? We got any college age, high school age girls in here? Right? Hey, right there. See, that's what happens when you sit close. People point you out, right? So think about this for a second. So if, if you're processing things in life right now, do you got a plan? You got a plan for life? You know what you want to do? Have an idea of where you want to go, right? You got somewhat of a plan, right? Yeah. So think about it like this. You got this plan. I want to go to college. I want to do this. I want to get married. I want to do, I want to do all of these things. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows up and says, you can't do any of those things. Right? You're not going to be able to do any of that. You're going to have to move over here and do this. Would you be troubled? Yeah. That, see, this is Mary. Like, Mary's just like every high school kid growing up. She, she's 15 or 16 years old. When, God, when the angel shows up at her house, she had a plan. And I don't think it was to be a virgin and pregnant. Right? Like part of the trouble is, is that, that when we get troubled with God speaking to us, you know why we get troubled? You know why it's so hard for us to move into those things? Because you don't like to live an interrupted life. Anybody? Right? Like you got a plan? You have it all laid out. You know where you want to go. You know where your family wants to be. You know the things you want to do. You have all these hopes and dreams, you know, and you get them all out there, right? Like we live for these things, hopes and dreams, and I want my life to turn out this way, and I want this job, and I want to make this money, and I live in this house, and I want to live in this area around these parents, and I want to have these grandkids, and I want, right? So I'm going to tell you something. You might know this already because you've done this. If you're going to open yourself up, to being used by God for the rest of your life, you will have an interrupted life. That's just the way it works. For the rest, of, so, so when I say that, is it wrong for her to have plans? No, I mean, should we encourage everybody to have a plan? Yeah, absolutely. You should have a plan. You should put it together. You should have everything lined up the way that, that, that you think and what you think God thinks you should do. You should have all of those things. But the problem is when God comes and says, I need you. I need to use your field. I need to use your house. I need to use your barn. I need to use your money. I need to use your car. I need to use your kids. I need to use your husband. I need to use your wife. Are you going to be like, 
Okay, you can have them. I mean, that just messes everything up that I wanted to do, but go ahead. Right? Like, nothing wrong with being able to have a plan and nothing wrong with being able to, to, to uh, ha- keep those plans in place, but I'm telling you right now, if God wants to use you, it will interrupt the flow of your life. I'm speaking from experience. Your yes decisions are decisions, and this is how it is all the time. You're going down this road, right? And the greatest thing that God ever wants to build inside of every single person in this room is what? Faith, right? The greatest gift that you could ever get from the Lord while you're on this earth is to have great faith. So you know how he gets you to get great faith? Keep walking down that road, and then all of a sudden you're gonna get here. And you wanna go right, guess what God's gonna ask you to do? Go left. And you know what it's gonna take you to go left? Faith. You know why? Because left is unknown. Left is costly. Left causes sacrifice. Left left is gonna interrupt your life. Left might change your entire scope of everything that you're gonna do. And you know how many people going to church every single Sunday still keep going right? A lot. Because we've made decisions. God, please use me just in this flow. (laughs) Please use me without it costing me anything. Please use me, but, but, but don't make me lose my kids. Don't make me move away. Don't make me do the things that are gonna be like, right? Don't make me do the things that are gonna cost me. So to be able to be used by God, to be able to deliver this gift, this is your second yes, right? You got parents, grandparents, we gotta get, get our kids ready, prepare them, right? The second thing in, in being able to say yes is we've gotta be able to be open to an interrupted life. Gotta be open to your plans being not your plans and, and be able to be used by God. Then he goes on, verse 31. You'll conceive and give birth to a son and you are gonna call him Jesus. You'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth, she is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And so this is where Mary ends up with her resolve. This is what she says. If you'd have a Bible, underline this, because this is important. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled, right? And what she's saying, be fulfilled through me. And the angel left her. Now, Here's the other problem. So when, when we get this, like you're getting fired up, like an angel, you know, okay, so I'm getting my kids ready. I'm getting ready. I'm understanding that I have to have an interrupted life, right? You're gonna leave today saying, God, it's okay. Like the preacher said, interruptions are coming. I'm ready. Until they come. You know how many people say yes on a Sunday morning and on Monday they're like, mm-mm. Right? Like, we get fired up, we're around other people, we're like, man, that was a good message, and it was convicting, and I heard God speak, or it was in a Bible study, and he said these things to me, and I am, I am resolved to be different, right? Until you're not, right? Because think about this same concept. You got your plans, right? Okay, so now you have your plans, and not only are your plans gonna interrupt it, now your plans are gonna cost you something. So you put yourself in Mary's position. Here's Mary's position. If she says yes, you know what's gonna happen? So when she said, I'm gonna be, the, I'm gonna be God's servant, you know what's gonna happen? She could be stoned, killed. Like, this, is, this isn't a decision of, hey, which college are you gonna go to? I'd probably pick the Christian one over the secular one because you're gonna get more Jesus. No, this is a decision that might cost your life. So parents, you ready? Is that an okay decision? Right, it's not, is it? Right, like that whole idea, it was a good yes, 
It was a good yes, right? Until that yes might cost her life. Or until that yes might cost her her marriage. Or until that yes was something that she was gonna be, like all of her friends, like all the people that she grew up with, now no longer are gonna be her friends anymore. And not only her friends, do you know who else? Your family. All of the people in your family are like, you, you, can't, you gotta disown her. I mean, she's a whore. I mean, not you're a whore. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Mom gave me a look like, I'm gonna come out of that seat. You're in trouble. Like, you're in trouble. I'll get back over here. Mom got ready. But you see what I'm saying, right? Like, now all of a sudden, all the family members are gonna be calling, hey, you know what happened. You know what your daughter did, right? Like, this idea, this concept where you're super excited, you're surrendered to God until your surrendering costs you something. And that follow-through on the yes, right? That follow-through on the yes is only gonna happen when you resolve something in your heart. You know what you're gonna resolve? You have to resolve. Who do you serve? You see, she would have to make a decision that would say, even if my mom disowns me, my friends disown me, and even if I lose my life, it's better than being outside the will of God. Now, mom, how hard is that even to accept, right? That's my point. My point is this isn't just a for this kid decision. Do you see how this encompasses so much? Like everybody around would have looked at that decision and say, bad idea, bad, bad idea. We encourage sometimes, listen to me, sometimes we encourage people to not have faith. We just do. Because the cost is too great. You see, this is that decision where, you know, um, in Scripture it says you got to decide who's going to be your master. Remember that Scripture? Like, you got to make a decision now who's going to be your master. This is the decision. Right? And it's easy to recite the Scripture and be like, the world will never be my master until your master tells you something that's going to cost you everything. Right? It's easy to say. Does that make sense? Like, it's easy to say these things like, I'm never a master of the world. Nothing will ever master me until your master asks you, go ahead and get pregnant. You might end up getting killed. None of your family's gonna like you. None of your friends are gonna like you. You might never see your mom again. You might never see your daughter again. Let's go ahead and encourage her. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do. You see, for, for the gift to be given and for things to go the way that God wanted to go, you have got to follow through on your yes, and you have to choose who your master is going to be. Because believe me, this just doesn't happen once. For the rest of your life, Satan will put these things in front of you. Who are you going to serve? Right? Who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your master? Who's going to be the one that you're going to listen to? And so for us, to be able to give the gift, because I'll just tell you this right now, to be able to spread the gospel all over the world, to be able to um, share the gospel with people, it's for sure gonna cost you something, maybe even your friends, maybe even your family, and I hope not, but maybe even for some of you, and listen, I, I don't wanna be a doomsday, but I don't think we're that far down the road that the United States of America is gonna see people persecuted for sharing the gospel. I don't think we're that far away. I don't think we're that far away that if you go and share it with one of your friends or go and share it with one of your neighbors that you're not going to be targeted, right? We've got to be able to get ready for this, and, and we're going to have to just resolve this. When it comes to those things in our life, we're just going to have to resolve, who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? That's what Mary did. The other thing is this, is that when you get to those places, you know, it kind of all builds up, and you get super excited, and you're like, okay, I'm going to surrender, I'm prepared, I'm ready, God, tell me whatever, and then you get to the place where, you know, he asks you to do something, you've got to decide who your master is. Now, this is where it gets really weird, because now you've finally decided, I'm going to give in, and, you know, I'm, God's my master, I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do, and you would think at this point, God would be like, everything now is going to be easy, 
I'm gonna take care of you. I was just testing you. I just wanted to see if you'd actually go down the road. I just wanted to see if you had enough faith. But you know what happens? After you say yes, your yes immediately gets challenged, right? So think about this. So you're, you're Mary, you make a decision. Okay, I'm gonna go through with the pregnancy. I know that there's gonna be all this harassment. I know there's gonna be all these things, but surely God, surely God, it can't get any worse. Anybody ever have that feeling? Like surely it can't get any worse. It got worse. It got worse. Now she's pregnant. She has to travel to Bethlehem. Right? Get on a donkey. Hey, any pregnant ladies wanna jump on a donkey today? Right, and travel all of this time on top of a donkey, right? And for the only reason of being able to get a census? Like, wouldn't Mary be like, this is a terrible idea. Because the other thing that I think we miss inside of all of this, put yourself in Joseph's situation. You ever think about that? You ever think about being on the other end of somebody else's yes? Do you know how much faith it takes to be on the other side of somebody else's yes? Somebody else said, God, use me, use our family, but now using me now affects you. Right, this wasn't like the angel came to Joseph and he kind of got a resolve, but like a lot of times we're just talking about Mary. But here's Joseph who's gonna have to work through all these things and go through all these things. And then once they get there, like surely, surely, God can put them up in a Hyatt. I mean, don't you, and I'll think about this. Come on, tell me you've never thought this way. God, I've given you everything. Can't you give me something? Nobody? Okay, I have. I'm like, I've given up everything. Surely, surely, you're not gonna take more. Right? Like, we've given this. Surely there's like this other side of it because I see other people giving nothing and it seems like they have everything. Am I hitting like anybody, right? Like you're looking at me saying like, I've been sacrificing, them jokers ain't been doing squat. But it seems like they keep prospering and I keep losing. They keep getting more comfortable, I keep becoming uncomfortable. How does this work? That isn't the way it's supposed to work. And this is where so many people walk away at this moment. You said yes, you have the immediate sacrifice, but then when it keeps going, when life gets difficult and it doesn't go away, this is where in the lives of so many people, they turn around and say, it's not worth it. That's not what they told me in church. They told me in church, give your life to Christ. My marriage will be better. Your money will be better. Your business will be better. You're never gonna have problems again. And then all of a sudden, they gave my life to Jesus. And man, it has sucked. And it hasn't been good. And it didn't turn out the way that I thought it was. And not only that, when I thought I was getting to the end of the tunnel, you just started down another tunnel. You just went down another road, right? Like these are the points where we've got to look at it because not only did it stop, like think about this for a second, not only did it not stop when they got there and they had to have a baby in a calf pen, right? Not only was that bad enough, but then two, then Herod comes in and says, I'm gonna kill all these babies two years and younger. So now, not only are you where you don't wanna be, you're already you know, being uh, talked about by tons of other people, now you have to flee for your life. Not only flee for your life. Hey, moms, you ready for this one? You flee for your life, you raise your son, which is bad enough trying to get kids through the teenage years. Everybody, anybody ever think about that? Trying to raise Jesus through his teenage years? Right? Like you had to make it all the way through that, but then you get it through the teenage years and you know something's coming. Like, think about this for a second, moms. Like, you know, like, you know the Bible, like something's coming, but think about this for a second, moms. You had to watch your son be arrested, not only be arrested, put on a pole, watched this. They watched this. Think of your sons for a second. Watched her son beaten beyond human recognition. Moms, come on. 
Anybody wondering if there's a God out there when you see your son beaten beyond human recognition? Anybody wondering if God's fair, if you're gonna take the son of, you're gonna take the life of my son? True? Right? These are those moments, like it didn't get easier. Like, yes, Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose from the dead, and we all do that, but do you see what went into all of that? Do you see the behind the scenes? Mary, because she resolved a yes in her heart to be the servant of God, that she could watch her son be brutally murdered and die on a cross and still have faith. That's what we need, right? When we're going into this Christmas season and we wanna be able to give the gifts that God's told us to be able to give, here's what we've gotta be able to do. We have got to get to the point where we say yes. You gotta get to the point where you say yes. So the worship team's gonna come back up. I'm gonna give you a chance, right? And we're gonna like work on this together. But here's the thing. The first thing that I want you to believe with all of your heart, mind, and souls when you walk out of here today, that one single yes could transform the entire world. You might never see it, you might never witness it. But I am sure when those people in Billy Graham's life made a decision to let him use a cow pasture, when Mordecai Ham decided to come for a love offering, when people decided to pray for one single person, they never believed 2.2 billion people would be able to hear the gospel. So the question is, what's God asking you to say yes to? What is it that he's asking you to do that your one yes could transform everything? So we have a thing that we've done for lots of years. We call it reverse giving. Um, and in reverse giving, this is, this is what we do. The idea came to us a long time ago. So a lot of times at the end of the year, churches take offerings, right? And they pick like, hey, we're gonna support such and such and we'd love for you to be able to give. And then the, the church turns around and gives that to you know, whatever organization in, you know, behalf of you guys. So there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but a long time ago, I made a decision and I said, you know what? You know what would be better than that? That the church, and this is when, like, for some of you guys that have been coming, you're like, oh, it's easy, you guys have extra money. We've done this when we had no money. No money. We made these decisions where there was nothing to make the budget, right? And we made this decision saying, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna give to you, right? We're gonna give back to you. And here's what we're gonna ask you to do. Because the idea, you know, and this is something that I've always feared. I don't want the church to get the glory. I want Jesus to get the glory. Like I don't want anybody to be, well, look, Life Church gave X amount of dollars to this organization. Great job, Life Church. I don't want that. What I want is for you to be Jesus in the lives of people. That's what I want more than anything, right? I want for you to listen to what the Lord says, and then I want you to say yes, right? And, and here's the thing with this. This is what we're gonna ask you to do. So we have an envelope, and so Ray and Jennifer are gonna be up here handing these out. So here's what we're asking. So we have uh, a lot of these different envelopes, and believe me, if we run out, we'll get more, okay? Because we'll get more. But if you're watching online, so here's what I want you to do while I'm talking about this. Put in the chat, right, that you want one of these um, and uh, email Jennifer. So they'll put Jennifer's email in the chat or somewhere on there that you guys can be able to get it. Email Jennifer with your address and we'll be able to get you one of these and send it to you for all of our listeners and people that are watching online. But for you guys, we want you to come forward and we want you to take this envelope and inside of each one of these envelopes is $50, okay? And for each household, we want you to get, if you're not in a household or you're out on your own, if you're single, come up and get them again. Uh, we don't want, it, want you to not be able to do this. And here's what we're gonna ask you to do when you leave here today. God, what do you want me to do with this money? Right, that's the first thing. The other thing that we want you to do is ask yourself this, and God, how much do you want me to add to it? Right, so that's what I want you to do individually. We're gonna start with 50, right? You know, to start with, we're gonna give $50 back to you guys, but, but we want you to know that we're praying that you'll add to it, right? That you'll take some of your own money, be able to add to it, and we're gonna pray 
and, and again, you're going to see these stories. They'll be out on social media or YouTube. You know, here's the crazy thing. Like, a lot of times you get this, and you know what the first response is? I don't know who to give it to. True, right? Like, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to give it or who am I going to give it to. And, you know, it's kind of weird that, that, that I'm taking your money. I don't need your money. That's not even the point. God doesn't need your money. He needs your yes. That's what he needs. Today is, is uh, not whether you need it, and honestly, listen to me, not even whether or not those people need it. You know what he needs? You. To say yes without any understanding that this money might or might not change the life of somebody. Here's what we're trusting. God, this week, is going to speak to you individually and you, there's a chance, you giving this money could transform the world. That's what we're trusting. We might never see it. We might not ever be a part of it, but, but we're gonna walk out of here on faith, trusting that whatever God asked me to do, this is the key, right? This is what makes this work. When you walk out of here today, you gotta be prepared. You gotta be open. God might be interrupting your life and your bank account, and your time, right? Like, you need to take extra time because I'm gonna go visit somebody, whatever those things are. But, but we're just trusting, right, that, that the outcome of this is gonna be something that's amazing. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray with you, and then after we're done praying, uh, there'll be, Jennifer, you guys gonna be, Rayanne, you're gonna be at the front? Yeah, so they'll be up here at the front. So we'll just ask for a representative from each family. If you're single and not with anybody, come up to the front, grab one of these. Once we get everybody one of these envelopes and we'll end in worship today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for every opportunity to be able to say yes to you, praying for surrendered hearts. And Lord, I pray that we will be open to uh, preparing for those times to be open to whatever you ask us to do. Lord, I pray that we walk out today with this in our mind. We're not only gonna say yes, we're gonna persevere through whatever yes costs us. Because we know this, the greatest gift that you've ever given is that we will be with you someday. And Lord, we wanna be a representation of everything that you are. Lord, so may our yes grow our faith and the faith of other people. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.